so good to have Ken. He'll be out in the student center in just a little while to hang out with our middle schoolers during the second service, and we love what's happening in the lives of the next generation. We just had a young adult conference that was hosted at our Norwalk campus uh, this weekend, and uh, some, some fantastic things happened in the lives of young adults as they were just sharing life together and growing together and uh, learning more and more what it means to be equipped to, to serve Jesus in their local church and in the community. Uh, in our world, and so we're excited uh, to see what continues to happen there. It's good to be with all of you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for braving the snow and the, I guess, I don't know, snow. It was just like a little fluttering, right? Um, But the freezing cold temperatures, and uh, it's just good to be together and to continue our series that we began last weekend. We started a series called Thriving, and it's, it's really some life lessons that the Apostle Paul shared in this letter that he wrote to a group of believers that had began in the city of Thessalonica. And uh, the, the dictionary, in fact, dictionary.com, defines the word thrive in this way, to prosper, to be fortunate or successful, to grow or develop vigorously or to flourish. Now, there are some things in life that uh, we want to see flourish. There are some things in life we don't want to see flourish, right? Things that we want to see flourish, we want to see our kids' lives flourish, our grandkids' lives flourish, our, your 401k, you want to see that flourish, your business flourish, right? Uh, but there's other things, you know, like bed bugs. Yeah, don't want them to flourish, right? Or, or lice or COVID-19 or, you know, you name it. There's a lot of things we don't want to see thrive, right, in this life. But when it comes to our personal lives, I think the majority of people, we don't want to just get by. We just don't want to, you know, exist. We want our lives to thrive, to flourish, to grow, to develop, to to take next steps. And in this letter that Paul writes to Thessalonians, I think he gives us some answers to what a thriving life really looks like and the pathway towards a thriving life. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn them to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 2 is where we're going to spend our time together uh, this morning. And we begin in chapter 2, verse 4. And this is what Paul writes. He says, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. He says, Our purpose is to please God, not people. Now, just stop right there. I think I got picked to share this sermon because (laughs) I am such a people pleaser. And probably some of you in the room, you know what that feels like. You just want everybody to be happy. You just want to be liked by everybody. You don't want to rock the boat. You just want to, you know, get together and sing kumbaya, right? I mean, you just, like, you don't want to make things hard. You don't want to say hard things. You dread hard conversations, right? And and Paul, I think, is on to something here. You see, if we live our lives to please everybody, we will never thrive. We'll never be fulfilled. We'll never be happy. Paul knew his purpose, and I think that's one of the secrets to a thriving life. You look at people's lives that you really admire, and usually they are people that know their purpose for their life. When you don't have a purpose, you just tend to live kind of an aimless life. Or even if you have a purpose, but it's the wrong purpose, 
right? Your life feels still kind of unfulfilled. There's something missing. There's something that's off. There's something that's just not right. We certainly aren't thriving without purpose or without the right purpose. And the Apostle Paul, he says, our purpose is to please God, not people. Paul understood that his purpose, above and beyond being, I mean, he was a a tent maker by trade. He was a preacher of the gospel. But Paul knew that far and above all of those things, his ultimate purpose in life was to please God. And you know, that's your purpose and my purpose as well. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, Ultimately, God longs to have a loving relationship with every single human being. For us to experience his his forgiveness and his grace that's offered through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus, so that we can discover a purpose of loving God and loving people, and as a result, pleasing him with our lives. God is pleased when we put our faith in him and find our worth and our hope and our meaning and our purpose and our approval in a relationship with him. No matter who we are, no matter what we do, this is a purpose that goes beyond your job. I love what Paul wrote to the Colossians. Uh, He said, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. It doesn't mean that we don't work for people. All of us in this world, we have people that we report to. We have a boss. But Paul was saying above and beyond the people in this world, we have a higher calling, a higher purpose. Our purpose is to please God no matter what you do. So whether you're a school teacher or you're a nurse or you work in the construction field or you're a student or you're a stay-at-home parent, Your purpose, my purpose, is ultimately to please God and to not please people. That should bring great relief. That we don't have to live our lives for the sake of others. We live our lives for the sake of the one that created us and loved us. So that brings us back to that bottom line. And we can't say it better than the Apostle Paul said it himself. Our purpose is to please God, not people. All right, so let's look a little bit further at what Paul says to the Thessalonians, because sometimes we can think that, well, I'm, I'm just here to please God. And probably some of us in the, in the room have met well-meaning Christians who are like, well, you know, I don't care what you think. I'm just here to serve God, right? And, 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 and you know what those people are called? Jerks. <laughs> like, all of us have met Christians who use this pleasing God idea to treat other people poorly. And I want us to understand that that's not what Paul is saying. Paul's not saying that pleasing God automatically means that we are going to displease everybody else. No, the greatest commandment was to love God and to love what? Love your neighbors, right? To love other people. And the way that Paul lived amongst the others around him shows us that he loved people. And Paul wasn't trying to just please God in order to like earn God's approval. Remember what he said at the beginning of verse 4? For we speak as messengers approved by God. That word approved is in the, the past tense. Paul is saying, 
we're speaking to you as people who have already been approved by God. You see, when, when, we, when we know that God has already approved of us because of his son Jesus, we've been forgiven, like our, our mistakes, our mess-ups, our idiosyncrasies, it's all been covered through the person of Jesus Christ, and we, we are loved and accepted in Christ by God our Father. Man, that is a wonderful place to live. That is an incredible position to be in. It, it says that we don't have to try to please God in order to earn God's approval or favor. We seek to please God because we already have experienced God's approval of us. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying. And when we have God's approval over our lives, it then frees us from having to live for the approval of others. And he says, our purpose is to please God, not people, for he alone examines the motives of our hearts. Paul knew that at the end of the day, he would not answer to the thrift the Thessalonian church. He would not answer to his closest friends. He would not answer to his mom or dad. He would not answer to his pastor or a priest. Paul knew at the end of his life, there would be one person that he would report to, that he would answer to. One person that truly knows the very motivations of his heart, and that was God and God alone. And when we realize that we're living for an audience of one, like above all else, what we just sang, I adore your name, I'm living my life for you. When we're living for an audience of one, it frees us from living for the approval of everyone else. And that's an incredible place to be. It's an incredible freedom to have. Paul knew God's the one that, that knows my very heart which led him to say what he said next to the Thessalonians. He says, never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. He said, and God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. Paul comes into the city of Thessalonica and he starts preaching and teaching and, and sharing the gospel of Jesus with other people. And, and Paul says, listen, you, knew, you know how we lived amongst you when, you were, when we were with you. You, knew, you know that we weren't using flattery. Every one of us knows in the room what flattery is. We've used it and we've felt it from others, right? When somebody's just saying something like to appease you, say, somebody's just saying something, it's not something that they really mean. They're just trying to earn your approval, earn a favor, right? And Paul says, you know our hearts and God knows our hearts, and we didn't live our lives just flattering you. Or he says, we were not pretending to be your friends. You see, when we live to please God, we know that he knows our motivations. And so if we're out here pretending, we might earn the approval of some people, but we'll lose the approval of the one that matters the most. And, and, and when we live as people pleasers, we end up living hypocritical lives. We'll say things, we'll do things that we know aren't, aren't really us. It's just trying to win approval, please other people. And Paul says to the Thessalonians, you know how we lived amongst you. 
right? See, last weekend, we, we saw that, that the, the Thessalonians, they were examples of the faith, right? Remember that? Role models of the faith. And what we see in chapter 2 is that part of the reason they became role models and examples of the faith is because of the impact of Paul and Silas and Timothy who traveled to Thessalonica to share Jesus with them in the first place. Paul had been an example to them, and he had lived not to please them, but to please God. Look at verse 6. He says, As for human praise, we never sought it from you or anyone else. I was thinking about this. Uh, I remember as a young Christian, um, I was so needy still. Um, before I even came to Jesus, like I was just trying to be all things to all people, just trying to find my place in the world, just trying to fit in. Just, you know, I would just be and do anything to fit in with anybody in any crowd. And even as a young Christian, when I, when I realized God's love for me, it took some time for me to shift from always wanting to pe- please people and gain their approval to finding my ultimate approval in my relationship with God. And it can be still a struggle to this day. Probably many of you in the room, you, you wrestle with some of this as well. But there's something happens when we start to seek the approval of others, it'll disqualify us or short-circuit us from living a life that truly pleases God because we'll, we'll be controlled by the opinions of others. And Paul says, when it comes to like being praised by other people, he says, we've never sought it from you or anyone else. He was freed from that. You know, it's a soul-searching question to ask ourselves, what is it that I really seek in life? What is it that I really am seeking the most? Is it, is it the praise and the applause and the approval of people? Or is it the praise and approval and applause of God and God alone. Paul says our purpose is to please God, not people. I remember before I said, you know, there are some people that think that, um, you know, pleasing God just means automatically displeasing everybody else. Uh, you know, and, and that becomes somehow their excuse. And yet that is not how Paul lived when he was amongst the Thessalonians. And so we read on in verse 7. He says, as apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But instead, he says, we were like children among you. Paul's saying, listen, we were apostles. Like they, they had a high position, like a very well-respected position. And as they came into the city of Thessalonica, they could have called people out, made some demands, and you know people would have had to get in line. And yet Paul says, listen, we didn't use our authority, our power to like use you or control you. In fact, he says, when we were among you, we were like little children. He was, he's saying we were humble, we were teachable, we were learning along with you. And then he goes on, he takes it a step further. He says, uh, we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. You see, pleasing God does not mean we don't care for people. In fact, pleasing God will lead us to deeply caring for other people. He says, like, like a mother 
feeds and cares for her own child. This is a picture of incredible, like, tender, loving, gentle, nurturing care. And Paul goes on. He says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. This is my life verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. To me, this is what life is all about. It's about loving people. It's about loving people enough to share God's good news with them. And you know what happens? If we live, if I live as a people pleaser, it will cause me to hesitate or even to not share God's truth at all. Because sometimes God tr- God's truth, it, uh, well, it messes with our lives, doesn't it? It can rub us the wrong way. It cannot uh, go along always with popular opinion. <laughs> and so when we start to share Jesus with other people, uh, it, can, it can ruffle some feathers. Somebody might judge us or, or call us a religious zealot or um, a holy roller. Or... And remember, last weekend we said our faith was, it's very personal, but it was never meant to be kept, what, Private. Jesus calls us to share our faith, but if we live only to please other people, sometimes that will keep us from sharing the most important thing with them, the gospel, the good news about Jesus. And yet, Paul says, when we, when we were among you, we loved you so much that we didn't hold back. We shared God's truth with you about Jesus, how you could know and follow him. That's why our mission here at the chapel is to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. And he says, not only did we share God's good news with you, but we shared our own lives also. It's why why all of us pastors, as we get up here and talk to you, we don't want to just talk to you and just, just share from God's word. We want to share with you our lives. This is what the Apostle Paul modeled. This is this is what Jesus modeled with the early disciples. And, and, and sharing all of our lives, like the good parts and, you know, the, the tough parts or the, the, the rough parts, right? And when we live to please God, it frees us to be able to truly share life with each other. We don't have to be embarrassed because we know we're seeking him. We're trying to honor him no matter what. And do we fail? Yes. Do we blow it some days? Yes. But Paul said, man, when he was amongst the Thessalonians, we, in fact, the, the NIV version says, we delighted to share with you, not just the gospel of God, but our own lives as well. And, and so I think about what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. He, he said something similar. He said, oh, dear Corinthian friends, we've spoken honestly with you. There it is, sharing truth, Right? He says, we've, shared, we've, we've spoken honestly to you, and he says, our hearts are open to you. What was Paul saying? We've shared our lives with you. We've opened up to you all of who we are and how God's working in our lives. He says, there's no lack of love on our part, but he says, but you've, you've withheld your love from us. And I love verse 13. I'm asking you to respond as if you were my own children. He says, open your hearts to us. You know, if, if, if you and I, if we want to live a life that pleases God, not people, it will be a life 
that opens up, that shares life, that opens our lives, that lets others in to our lives and that others let us in to their lives. It's what Jesus modeled. It's what the Apostle Paul and Timothy and Silas modeled when they were with the Thessalonian believers. And it's what made incredible impact in their lives that led them to be role models and examples of the faith. They shared life and they shared truth. And then Paul goes on. And look at what he says in verse 11 and following. He says, and you know that we also treated you as a father treats his own children. Now stop there. Already Paul has said to the Thessalonians, hey, when, when we were among you, we were like children, right? Humble, teachable, learning along with you. Then he said, we were like a mother caring for her own children. Paul's going through the whole family system. He says we were like kids, we were like moms, and now he says, and we were also like dads, like fathers. He says, and what did fathers do? Look at verse 12. We pleaded with you, we encouraged you, and we urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he has called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. Dad's in the room, grandpa's in the room. I just want to challenge all of us right now. What Paul lays out here is a pattern of of godly fatherhood, a role that, that God's calling all of us to take on in our lives with our spouses, with our kids, with our grandkids, in our community, in our job, to do three things. First, it says, he says, I pleaded with you. And that word pleaded, it's a, it's a Greek word. Uh, it's the Greek word parakaleo. It's actually the same exact wor- root word that we get the name of the Holy Spirit from. The Holy Spirit is called the paraclete, one who comes closely alongside. And so here Paul is saying, I, when, when we were amongst you, we came closely alongside of you in order to call or to defend, the word is, is, is the, where we get our legal term, advocate. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and Paul was saying, when we were among you, because we sought to please God the most, it led us to care for you, and in so doing, we came close to your life. And he says, and we, we were there for you to advocate for you, to defend you. Paul says, we pleaded with you, but then he also says, we encouraged you. And he uses another word. That means to come closely alongside again, but in order to comfort and to console. And dads, I want to challenge us in the room. (laughs) This is who we are to be with our kids and with our grandkids. It's not just to always be the hammer, not just to always be the disciplinarian, although those are important things and that's part of our role and responsibility as well. He calls us to come alongside and to comfort and to encourage, to console other people. Paul says, this is what I did when I was amongst the Thessalonians, just like a father does this for his children. And then there's one last word. And this is where uh, if we live as people pleasers, we'll never do this for one another. He says, we urged you. It's the Greek word, martyromai, which means to summon as a witness and to solemnly charge. Paul's saying when he was with the Thessalonians, yeah, we pleaded with you. Yes, we encouraged you. But you know what else he did? He challenged them. He called them up. 
He called them out. And this pleases God. And if we live as just people pleasers, we'll never, we'll never really challenge each other. We'll never call each other out. We'll never say the hard things that sometimes need to be said. And we know that. You know that in your own life, that there have been times in your life where somebody's had to say something that was hard to hear, and yet deep down inside, maybe at first you were angry about it, but deep down inside, part of you was angry about it was because you knew it was true. And you, you knew you needed to hear it. It shaped you, it shifted you, it changed you. Just last night, Lisa and I were laying in bed, and, and she said, I just feel like you're not there. She said, just lately, you've just, been, you've just been on your phone or you've been on your laptop. And man, it just, it just broke my heart. And it did that for two reasons. Number one, it broke my heart because I love Lisa. <laughs> and because I never want my wife to feel that way. But you know why it really broke my heart? Because my, my mission in life is not to please Lisa, even though I want to please her. My mission in life is to please God. And you know what God says? Love and cherish your wife. Make sure she feels that way. In that moment, I felt, I just felt like a failure. But it was something that I needed to hear because we can all do better. I want my life, I want my relationships, I want my marriage, I want our, our Christian lives, I want our church not to just get by or exist, but to thrive. And Paul says that will only happen when we're in each other's lives enough to plead and to encourage, but to, but to urge, to challenge. And, and Paul says this is all for one incredibly grand purpose. He says to live your lives in a way that, that God would consider worthy, for he, for God, listen to this, has called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. You know the incredible thing about our God, our glorious God, the maker of everything that is, a God that would love us enough to send his own son Jesus to, to take on our sins and all of our mess-ups and all of our mistakes and to, to extend forgiveness and grace to us. This God who is glorious is willing, wanting to share that glory with you and me. He, he wants to share his glorious kingdom. What this says is that when we begin to live a life that pleases God first and worries about what everybody else thinks as a secondary or third thing, when we please God, not just people, that, that our lives will start to become the answer to Jesus' own prayer. It's what we sang earlier in the service. Father, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And that will happen when we live for an audience of one, to please God with everything we are. Our purpose, not just the Apostle Paul's, mine, yours, is to please God, not people. So I want to leave you with three 
three possibilities. And I'm not, I'm not saying you got to do all these. Even if we just pick one this week to concentrate on, to focus on, three ways that we can please God, all right, this week. Number one, having faith pleases God. In fact, the book of Hebrews says it's impossible to please God if we don't have faith. And so if you're here this weekend and you're just kind of exploring Christianity and faith and church and unsure about the Bible or about God, I want you to know that your first and most important step to pleasing God is to put your faith in God, to put your faith in his son Jesus who came for you. And if that's something that you want to learn more about or explore or talk about or wrestle with, that is why we are here. And we'd love to walk in that journey with you. And for the rest of us in the room that's already given our lives to Jesus, having faith is, is like something that begins in a moment, but then it's a lifestyle of daily choices of living by faith. And so for, for those of us in the room that have given our life to Christ, uh, having faith means just continuing to go to God for forgiveness and grace. It, it's to continue to believe and to trust him in the hard times and in the good times. Having faith pleases God. A second thing, spending time with God pleases God. Did you know that you don't have to do a bunch of things in your life to please God? God loves you like a, like a father. God loves you like a family member, and he isn't expecting you always to just be do, 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 do. God just wants you to be and to be with him. I thought about that over the holidays. Even though we were sick, we had a lot of time together, and Lainey was home, our oldest, from Texas, and Gracie was home from college, and I didn't care what we did, even if we were just sick and laying on the couch and coughing. It was still special because we were together. You know that that's how God feels about you? It pleases him, not just when you go or serve. He, he's pleased when we just spend time with him. I love the opportunity that we have every month here on a Thursday, the third Thursday of the month. It's this Thursday. We call it Pause. It's, we just open up the, the worship center, and there's quiet music playing, and it's just a place to just come and just to spend time with Jesus, just to be alone, just to, to center in, to take some time in his word, to pray to him, to talk to him, to tell him your heart, to, to open our hearts wide to him so that he'll, he'll in turn open his heart to us. And so if, if you need a place, maybe a, a quiet place away from the, you know, the craziness of work or even home, this Thursday, just come, 1130 to 130. It's just a quiet place in this room. It's just open. There's no agenda. Um, you can come an hour earlier if you want to take some time to just even do a little Bible study about prayer together. But it pleases God when we just spend time with him. And then finally, being generous pleases God. I love Hebrews 13, 16. It says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And generosity, it's more than just finances. It's more than giving, although it includes that. It, it, what did Paul say, or, or the writer of Hebrews say? He said it means just doing good and sharing with others in need. So what does that look like for you this week? to please God. For some, it's 
It's taking a step of faith. For some, it's, it's not doing anything. It's just quieting yourself and spending some time. Or for some of us in the room, maybe it means getting out there and doing something for someone else. This, this is a life that pleases God. You know, for a long time in my life, I've tried to live a life that pleases God, not people. And I think my emphasis has been on the second part. Well, Todd, just don't please people. It's kind of like saying, don't eat those donuts, <laughs> right? And all you do is stare at the donuts and think about the donuts. But what if, what if we shifted? And didn't, we, didn't, we didn't even think about not pleasing people. What if we just lived our lives all out? to just please God. And I'm telling you, when that starts to happen, we will be freed from the approval of others because we're living for an audience of one. Lord, thank you for your love for us. Thank you.